What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. As usual, Matt Browse, the host of these conversations, as well as the guy behind the camera at Pohada Photography. Do check both those out on the various social medias, Instagrams, and Facebooks. This time around, I've got a BSing with a Black Belt episode with my friend Ben Locken from The Cellar here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Also the owner, operator, and head coach at Forged Fitness, a gym for fighters and fitness freaks alike on the St. Paul side of the Twin Cities here. In this conversation, we cover a fairly wide variety of topics, including his MMA fights, his experience in kickboxing, obviously his experience becoming a jiu-jitsu black belt, but we also get into some training theory for sports performance, as that's a little bit of my background as well. Anyhow, without further ado, my conversation with Ben Long. Yeah. I think it's I think it's actually sort of a byproduct of these smartphones. What do you mean? We're constantly taking photos of oh, each yeah, other yeah. and ourselves. Yeah. Like when you, how old are you? Thirty two. Okay. So like when we were kids even. Yeah. When we when we were kids, like and we were coming into internet and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but like someone taking photos of you wasn't normal. No. It wasn't typical. It wasn't, no. un- and yeah. most of us would have been like, uh-huh. well, now yeah. we're constantly like, <laughs> like yep, hey. here's this and here's that. But it also normalizes a little informality in photos. I yeah, think, it does. Too. Yeah, that's a good point, too. It, it, photos were, you know, look at the history of photography, staged portraits. Yeah. Now it's like photos of everything. Mm. Same thing with video, too. Eating. Mm. Yeah, here's, here's my food and here's me eating it. Yeah. But like, you, you'll see professionally placed videos like here's a video mm-hmm. ad for my gym mm-hmm. and it's like shaky handheld footage even yeah. with a nice camera let's say but like shaky and even selfie style yeah it's just normal yeah that's funny how industries will evolve like that yeah i'm gonna check on him see what he's getting into Uh-oh. so we don't bark and bark and bark the main thing is hiding all of his balls it's your job <laughs> You find one? I think it's honestly just a closed door. How dare I close a door? <laughs> Don't close that on me. Did I start my stop? Can you record that from your phone? I'm no. assuming not. That yeah. stuff exists. Yeah. I got the old school camera. Okay. Yeah, ignore me if I look at it. It's super cash anyway. Yeah. We're not on TV, for goodness sake. <laughs> ben Locken. I don't know you well, but my impression of you is that if you were... You're, you're in your 30s, coming into mid-30s, so yep. you're coming up to the age where you would start buying New Balance shoes and wearing like khaki shorts and getting into lawn care. That's been Mid- my style since I was okay. 19. <laughs> middle, you've been middle-aged since you've been 19. Yes. Which means you're also going to start, probably start using a phrase. Like if I were to say, how you doing? You would say, living the dream. No. No? I would say doing good. Doing good? Okay. Yeah. It's kind of the standard middle-aged, Midwestern white guy phrase, I thought. Yeah, not there yet. Okay. But I think if you were to say it, what the impression I've gathered of you is that it would be true. 
Yeah, it is. I would say at this point, yeah. Like you, you seem a little bit like the American dream. Trying. Yep. Great gal. Yeah. New kid. Three. Three and a new one, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty new. Gym. Five months. Yep. We're gonna talk about the gym. That's probably first. Okay. Forge Fitness. Bam. Uh black belt in jujitsu. Yep. Actual fighter too. Yep. Mixed martial arts. I'm gonna ask you about that because it's terrifying to me. <laughs> what else? What are the other highlights? Um, ben Locken. Muay Thai, kickboxing. Tell me the difference between Muay Thai and kickboxing. Big difference is the clinch. So in Muay Thai, there's a clinch. In my opinion, the clinch is like a whole nother sub art under Muay Thai. So it's basically very similar to like Greco-Roman wrestling, but knees and elbows. And so you have to be very aware and not get your face elbowed or your ribs broken from knees. Mm -hmm. It's very, very sensitive based too. So if you push a little bit too hard or pull a little bit too hard, you're going for a ride or you're getting twisted and kneed and cut. And so that's the big difference. Whereas like kickboxing, most of the time there's no clinch like W A K O or Waco. That's a big kickboxing organization. There's no clinching as far as that goes. So American style kickboxing. Have I heard it called that before? Yeah. I I went, I've been to one, Muay Thai event, mm-hmm. uh, Canterbury. What were they called? Yeah, uh, um, Ignite Grand Ignite, Prix. Yeah, I, yep, I can't remember. Jiu-Jitsu yeah. thing was called the Grand Prix. I don't know. Yeah, and I've been to one seminar just taking pictures, mm-hmm. and the seminar was two hours long, and an hour and fifty-eight minutes was spent on the clinch. Very important. And there was like a token two minutes at the end where they got to kick a bag. Yeah. Because like that's <laughs> kind of what we think of when you think kickboxing, but like mm-hmm. it was all clinch. Yeah. Who taught the seminar? It was uh, at Striking Institute. Caitlin's guy. Uh, oh, wow. Um, he's got an actual Thai name and I can't <laughs> remember. Crumpet. Thank you. Crumpet. Crumpet. Watch that. Yeah. Crumpet. Crumpet. I can't remember. Yep. That's a guy you don't want to mispronounce yeah. his name. No. I took a, actually a private lesson with him while he was here. Kate, oh, yeah. Me and or I talked to Caitlin. She got me mm-hmm. a private lesson. He yeah, he knows what he's doing. It's <laughs> 150 plus fights in. I I think he would. Yikes! How many fights you got? <sighs> 17 or so combined between MMA, kickboxing, and Muay Thai fights. How many MMA? Uh, Eleven. Sure. I say that with confidence. I think eleven. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I feel like a, a unfortunate byproduct of that type of recreation activity is that you <laughs> might not be able to remember how many you've had. Yeah. You like that? You like fighting? I mean, clearly you do. I do. Yeah. I'm just. I don't really fight anymore right now. Yeah. I took a five year hiatus. Had three kids. Um, my direction just kind of switched from fighter to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the coaching of training like coaching fighters serious people that want to compete and fight and test themselves so that's the idea of your gym yes yeah your gym is like fitness gym yes or strength conditioning gym yep Yep. that's the focus there but like it's because you're on staff as one of the fighters coaches yeah yep yeah so my gym i'm the only one that works there Mm mm-hmm and it's funny because I get that rep kind of like you said, like, oh, you train fighters and whatever. And I've actually been asked before, like, do you have to get in shape before I come and see you? Mm-hmm. 
and I just laugh. I'm like, no, that's, that's the <laughs> that's whole point, the point yes. of coming to see me yep. is to get in better shape and get more flexible or whatever the goal is. But yep. I do get that question a lot because people see like who I train and mm-hmm. what they're doing and how they look and whatnot. And it's like, no, you don't have to be in shape to get there. Like, <laughs> come see me and I'll take care of you from ground zero all the way to wherever you want to go. Yeah, you're looking at the end product. Yeah. Like that's the target. Yeah. So come out, bring <laughs> that's it. That's what you want to be. And it takes time to get there, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. How long has that been up and running now? Actually a year as of yesterday, June or oh, no, did we two just... days ago, June 1st. Nice. Yep. Good so, so far, huh? Been good so far. Where is it by the way? Let's just say little it. Canada, um, little Canada road. If you take 35, get off on little Canada road. It's between 35 E and rice street. It's right next to the donut hut. Yes. I reference that a lot and everybody's like, Oh, I love that place. I'm like, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially at 5 AM when they're cooking donuts yeah. and that's all you smell. <clears throat> that's a tough, uh, I'm a morning workout kind of guy. So if mm-hmm. I was like to come and train or something, I would want it to be in the morning, but That'd be a hell of a temptation on the way in and on the way out. It is. And I do have some <laughs> clientele that visit on the way out. I think if they did it on the way in, it would be, I wouldn't want to see it again. So I'm like, you can have it after. I don't need to see it before. It'd be good for like one TikTok video. Client walk in with donut. After that, come on. It would. Yeah. Yeah. And then no more. <laughs> yeah. It'd have to be the right client too. And I already have a feeling I know who I could do with. There we go. With. Yeah. We, we just made some content. Very nice. Uh, I like your gym. I like that it's small, has exactly mm-hmm. what you need, and black. I like the black yes. walls, something about that. I've never really seen that until recently, mm-hmm. but it's a good aesthetic. Yeah. How long are you going to be there? Is this well, a gym you're going to outgrow? I think eventually, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't. it's a fine line. Like It's a tipping point, and it's a balance point where you start getting higher demand and you start kind of outgrowing. But if you jump to the bigger spot too soon mm-hmm. and you can't fill it, well then you're kind of going backwards as far as progress and right. income and rent and profit and marketing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's, it's a very fine line. Yeah. Um, but I think eventually, yes, I'll, I'll outgrow it. Um, I'm pretty full capacity as is. And I have been since we open. Cause I had a pretty good following with, I was working out of the cellar at the time doing my own strength conditioning stuff there. They were allowing me to do that and then shifted gears and kind of wanted my own place and mm-hmm. they were cool with that. So yeah, the, the people I was training there, I just kind of continued to train at my spot and that's all she wrote. That's another version mm-hmm. of like the dream mm-hmm. to open a business with like clients yeah with customers yeah it was just like all right i'm here now yep (laughs) yeah that's fantastic yeah now do you operate mostly like we have set class times this type of deal yeah so i got a couple uh, most of my stuff is small group Mm -hmm. um i cap it out at six just with the space that's there um six per hour um i do have some personal training clients but um not a ton of them but yeah it's also it's a nice with the small groups because the accountability is there like if you don't show when it's just me and you, for example, it's like, oh, I'm not letting anybody down, but whatever. <laughs> Whereas if you don't show, you got the group like, hey, where you at? And where were you? And it's been two weeks. I haven't seen you. So it helps people stay accountable. And it also helps like push when you're feeling tired and 
you're not wanting to do this or you're not wanting to be there and you kind of glance over and so-and-so is still working like oh man yeah i don't want to be the wuss for lack of a better term (laughs) (laughs) or even just walking in like we've all dragged our ass into the gym but then there's people there and talking smack or Mm -hmm. whatever cracking jokes or planning on donuts afterwards and you get energized (laughs) you know so gotta earn that donut fitness people yep as well as fighters yep i got doctors lawyers accountants um and then a lot of those guys like are fighters too they just happen like what they do and um probably a common misconception of fighters yeah it means to be a fighter not a lot of people are just fighters no. you know you can, no. I, this is what i do in the during the day and then i come here and get beat up yeah like i would say top three percent probably don't need another job so <laughs> it's probably true of most sports yeah i would bet yeah and three percent i think is a little generous yeah it's probably even smaller sure but i mean you got look at ufc level guys or even like high level kickboxer muay thai fighters like they're the elites are pretty much the only ones that are doing this full-time mm-hmm. without doing some even just like part-time work or side gig work like oh i'd run private lessons like okay well that's a job. you have another job yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Would be a job yeah but what? like the Joneses, McGregor's, those guys. I mean, those guys are all set. But so probably, yeah. four people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, their equivalent in equivalent organizations aren't as set as they are, and it trickles down real quick. I would assume, in terms of financial viability. Mm-hmm. You fully switched over to coaching now. Yeah. Well, I did a. I recently, back in February, after a little five-year break, I did do. I fought for. Waco, um, down in Nashville, which was appealing. It was in Nashville, and I've been there, and it was cool. The first time I was there, I was there for a different reason, but um, this time I was going there to fight, and I was like, okay, now's the trip to Nashville. Let's get back into the ring and see if the itch, see if the fire's still there. Sure. Um, and it was. I ended up losing. Um, it was a different style of fighting than I was like the first round. I was kind of like, what is going on? It was low kick. So no clinching, it's just kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but different rule set in it faster. It's very like point based, almost like point karate. Sure, sure, sure. So with the Muay Thai and MMA, it's just like damage. Like when you throw something, you want to make it count. You want to break them down. Right. And you want to try to knock them out. And it was like right. I got hit with like five kicks before I realized I was getting kicked. And I'm like, what is going on? It was just like bam, bam, hmm. bam, bam. I'm like, this is crazy. This is so fast. So and two-minute rounds, which I also am not used to. Yeah, it's like a sprint. It was I, I, it, the little jujitsu I've done. Mm-hmm. We did. No, I'm not exactly Mr. Cardio. Okay, <laughs> but I've come over the last six to nine months to really appreciate more minutes to work, mm-hmm. despite the, the garbage cardio. And I remember rolling. I think over at Akagi a few weeks ago, and they set it for five minutes. And it, I'm like, I don't remember the last time I rolled for five minutes. Yeah. And it felt like not enough time yeah. to kind of develop a, okay, where's this guy going? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine in an actual competitive setting while being yeah. kicked. Yeah. Trying to make two minutes work. Yeah. Is that a pretty popular version of, I don't know if I've ever heard of it, but that doesn't mean, it, you know, uh, I yes and no. I think it's popular because it's another opportunity for competitors to get fights some of the rule set style, like low kick, some people might like it. 
Um, oh, it's called a lot low, of, low kick. What's it's just different rule sets. Like you can't catch and you can't do certain techniques. Sure. Um, there's no knees. There's no elbows. And then there's like K1 where you were allowed one knee in the clinch. You can grab them, knee them, but then you have to follow up with another strike. It's a little bit more appealing to people, but it's harder to get Muay Thai fights in the U.S. especially. So it's just another opportunity to go get fights, um, get more ring time at a competitive level. But Are all of those just flirting with Muay Thai? Like all those different versions you just described, like Muay Thai is the show. You know, elbows, knees, yep. you know, kicks, In my opinion, punches, yeah, is. clinching, kind of the grappling thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's got more of the striking related tools. Yeah. But the, limbs, those other yeah. things, you, eight, thank you. I was mm -hmm. trying, in my head, I was like, what's the, what's what the cute it? name? What is it? Yeah. Eight limbs, yep. All of that is Muay Thai minus this and minus that yeah. and minus this. Yep, like, I think Muay Thai is going to be the full, the most you're going to experience on the feet yeah. for the most part. Short of I mean, just there's full mixed this, martial arts. Yeah. There's the, I can't remember, Lithway or something where they allow them like headbutts, but. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That Netflix series, Fight Something. I don't remember what it was. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. There's like six episodes. The dude, he goes to like Thailand, he goes to Mexico for boxing, he goes to Israel for Krav Maga. Like he studies, yeah. I think, in Africa for some kind of wrestling. Yeah. Gets the, the real version yeah. of everything. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was cool. It was an awesome series, but. Headbutting. No, yeah. no. No. I mean, I might be good at it because I'm short, but that's about it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to get headbutt in the nose. No, thanks. <laughs> when somebody who's who's done multiple versions of fighting, including mm -hmm. like multiple versions of getting hit and choked out, is like, nah, to the headbutting. I'm going to take your word for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, street fight, different story. But yeah, no, I would Survival, yeah. Yeah, survival instinct has a different sure. story. But no, as far as, uh, not really, not too much. So, um, jujitsu. Mm -hmm. When did you get your black belt? Oh gosh, just I recently, right? Yeah, I mean, March. Just this past March, March eleventh. So how'd it feel? Surreal, kind of. It was odd. Why was it was that? odd, but it was cool because it was like, like an unexpected uh, type thing. A little bit, yeah, but, um. As weird as it is, like you, that's like the goal that you set out. Mm -hmm. So, took twelve years to get it. Some off and on training time and whatnot, but it took twelve years to get this black belt, and which is pretty fast. No, about now, average. My my pitch on this, yeah. not not being there, but having yeah. heard these conversations, I, I set stuff like that relative to how many people have tried the thing. Or done it for a year. Uh -huh. So if you include all those like blue belt and out yeah. bodies, true. 12 years black belts pretty quick. That's a good point. Everybody else quit long before that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that. That's that, a good way to say it. I don't know. It. I, I always got to go abstract. Yeah, that picture, was good. Yeah, you know? that's good. Um, but when it actually is like tied around you mm -hmm. from your professor, it's, it's like, all right, like you did it, but yet it almost restarts your brain because it's like, okay. I got to the goal that I set out, but it's like you're almost starting over now because they think you're ready for it and whatnot. And then there's a whole nother, in my opinion, kind of responsibility with a black belt as far as how you carry yourself on the mat, how you roll with other people or how you enter the mat and 
how respectful you are. It's not just like, okay, I got the skills. I'm a black belt. I can beat everybody here. And you're late and you're like blowing <laughs> snot rockets and leaving tape on the floor. You know I mean? I think it, it's not a flex. Not really. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I did it. And you're walking around all sticking your chest out. It's more, it should be humbling. And now you have a bigger responsibility, so to speak. And then, like I said, the skill set just starts over because Every, everybody's, everybody's got said that, by the way. Yeah. Every, every black belt I've talked to, they've, they've said they had that same thing. Yeah. It, it felt like a reset mm-hmm. and responsibilities and stuff, but like even just my game, my skill yeah. set. Cause it's like you took a path to get there and everybody's got their own little path. But like now my approach is I got to try to now understand other people's games and other people's paths of how they're going to get there so that I can not only learn what they're doing, defend what they're doing, and then show and potentially teach what they're doing. So it's like, it's not just my game now. It's everybody's game. You have to kind of understand, expand and learn and be able to explain it because now when there's a question who, where do you look? Oh, there's two black belts over there. I'm going to go ask one of them. Mm -hmm. So, a little bit of a switch from to a coaching type of mm-hmm. and that might that mindset might just be me just because i've been coaching for a long time now and i've always had the the helping heart if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> um even when i was fighting in training full-time if that's what you want to call it like i had a couple of people ask oh you want to hold pads or hit pads i was like oh yeah i'll just hold pads for you and it was funny after one of the sessions I was holding mitts for somebody and Ryan Murray, actually, he's like, why do you hold pads for everybody? He's like, you should get paid for that. I'm like, really? You think I could? <laughs> it's like, well, it's your time. It's your body. And like, yeah, you should get paid for that. The um, body piece, I would assume is, a, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of force being implemented on the body. Yeah. It's crazy. It's one thing you, to punch something. It's another thing to just to absorb, absorb it, it for two it. hours. Yeah. Oof. It's crazy. But when he said that, <clears throat> I was like, oh, like immediately there was a shift. Like I could like make this a career, even when I'm not fighting, I could make it a career and coach and hold and actually right. get paid for it. Seems reasonable. Which I thought was awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, and then kind of with the black belt thing too, you can also start doing that now too. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you got a black belt and somebody likes your style or likes what you do or likes your persona or personality they want to come to you and learn from you because they like you and like what you do so is that on your list coaching jiu-jitsu teaching jiu-jitsu specifically yeah a little bit i like more of the kind of the no-gi mma style of jiu-jitsu um i love the gi too i actually used to just totally dislike the gi why and then I don't know, just with MMA, I was like, oh. Fight the fighter thing. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, I'm not going to have a handle and gi and whatever. And then when you start not being the stronger, more athletic or sweaty one to slip out of things, <laughs> like, oh, I should probably learn some technique here. And mm-hmm. then I started getting more in the gi and I can't just like yank out of things or rely on being faster, slipperier, sweatier, whatever you was getting you kind of out of things. Sure. It's like I got to realize what the techniques are and with all that extra friction and handles, it, it tightens up your game. Yeah. Forces you to kind of think tactically a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, we're stuck. Yep. Now what? Mm-hmm. 
more of a thought process of process of how you're going to approach something versus just oh you'll just dive in and see what happens that might be why i don't like no gi i'm absolutely afraid to dive in and see yeah. what happens not for okay i might get beat but like i don't want to clunk somebody's head with my big noggin and hurt mm-hmm. them but you know what i mean <laughs> like we're all they're all damn near 40 let's just calm down and, and yeah f- focus on these grips and slow this all down that's kind of my that's why that's yeah because that's right like it slows it down like yeah. it's, it's nice to to think your way through it i like the chat as i roll too so let's just calm down oh doggo he's thinking about it what's your uh tell me about your jujitsu what do you like like what's your style i'm kind of a half card guy um save for maybe height you sort of suit the stereotype yeah based on the impression i have yeah i like top half and Mm -hmm. to me it's not top it's not like top half guard it's top half mount as i was told one time because with punching i'm half mounting you and i have one of your legs and now i can control and manipulate your hips as i'm elbowing and punching your face half guard is good but to me where's the guard it's on your back on on your back right Right. you got full guard guard is on your back right. close legs half guard you're on your back and whatever and top half guard just like no it's top half mount so i like i that's... actually really love that because it visually yeah. i mean like factually in a way it makes more sense yep and it, i mean i quote unquote play uh a lot of half guard top and bottom so it kind of resonates with me mm-hmm. i've also called because i'm sort of obsessed with being in mount Mm-hmm. which is your heavy and hacky jujitsu. So you want to get on top so you can catch your breath. It's <laughs> fundamentally what I mean by that. And I've, I've called it uh closed guard bottom mount because it sort of fun in a funny way is, mm-hmm. but it also just cheers me up when I'm yeah. stuck in closed guard. Cause I suck at closed guard. You know, <laughs> I wish I was in mount. So I'm in bottom mount. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? What do you like to play? Yeah, no, just that's kind of what I like. I like very, pressure base too and i think especially like with our gym um for mma you gotta roll with a little bit different style in my opinion um the space has got to be tighter you got to be a little bit more secure you gotta think differently because you're thinking of getting punched and elbowed potentially and we've i was rolling with somebody and i i think it was jd but he said rolling with the MMA guys, he loves it because it's such a different feel. Like there's no space. There's no, I'm going to give you this space. So you move over here. It's like you lock down and you're trying to like just trap somebody. So very pressure based for me, very top game based. And again, I like more of the half mount versus full mount. Yeah. Um, or like turtle. And that's a freedom to bring striking into it. Yeah. Like, Yep. I guess the distinction there is because I'm also looking to hit somebody. Yeah. And mount is great for like punching, but then you got their arms in the way and you got to try to trap their arms. Whereas if I'm in that kind of that top half, then I can like use my back to move one arm and trap another arm and have a free arm. Or if my elbow's up by their head, I can swing it back and hit their ear or their nose. So I'm always thinking, even when I roll like jujitsu. How in the key and yeah um that's another shift i guess i had a while ago is 
and maybe it's with what's going on in the world and whatever, what, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not, but like, okay, if this was a self-defense, mm -hmm. like, am I going to really want to be on bottom Dela Hiva X guard? <laughs> Probably not. Now, if, it, if I, it's the one guard you got, baby, do your yeah, thing. Yeah, do, then you do your thing. Right. But <laughs> odds are you got that wasn't your first game. You yeah, know. not not the smartest on on a self defense situation. Yeah. But going back to what I was saying earlier with the getting the black belt, now it doesn't matter what I think. I have to understand that guard and understand what that person's doing because I got a black belt in sport jujitsu, not a black belt in MMA self defense. But that's just always my approach when I go into it, even when I'm understanding or trying to learn X guard or Delahivas or things like that. Like, okay, I would be getting hit here. I might be getting stomped here, or maybe I could upkick them there, or you know, kick their knee and blow their knee out there. That's always that's always running through my head when I'm rolling. You would never know until now. <laughs> yeah. But right. I'm always kind of thinking that way. Dude, man, Opie, go lay down. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hearing your description of it, and it's sort of like a thought probably everybody's had, like as you're you know clamping onto gi grips, mm -hmm. and I've got you on like knee shield. Like, there's always that thought of if this dude wanted to punch me right now. Yeah, right? I mean, but it's sort of a fleeting thought because we're just here doing doing jujitsu. Yep. But now you're building a low grade healthy anxiety in me of like. How good would this really serve me mm -hmm. if I really needed to do it? Yeah. And I think that comes with the way <laughs> you're gonna be like, oh, geez, uh, I love jujitsu. I don't want to get punched. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I think that comes with with just time, and maybe that's just because of the MMA background mindset, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. Um, I've always kind of thought that way. Sure, sure. Um, Out of necessity, because yeah, they're gonna be punching you. Yeah. You know, and two of the guys, like early on, they preached that a lot too and i attended a seminar years and years and years ago i think it was like 2010 that he was talking about that and i'm like okay that's gonna be my game now like my mindset when i'm rolling and it, i mean it is a, a, a step in the right direction of thinking of it all in the most probably important functional way which is self-defense yeah. mm -hmm. you know then it extends into like weapons and crowds and whatever. Yep. But at the very least, if the person I'm trying to fend off was swinging at me, how mm -hmm. well has my training, you know, prepared yeah. me for that? So it's a good thought for sure. Yeah. Even if you're never going to go. Yeah. Hopefully to, you never try to be to. the UFC champ or whatever. On the street. Yeah. Yikes. No. <laughs> did you, did you and Pam both get your black belts the same day? We did. Pretty yeah, cool, yeah. huh? Yeah, that was cool. That was like y'all been training together forever, type of thing. I would assume it's my impression. Yeah, no, we've been God, however long I've been at the cellar. Um, Shout out to I, the cellar, by the way. I usually yeah, try to get people to plug the gyms. Yeah. I don't know if we said it yet, but the cellar, yeah, yeah. the cellar gym, Forge Fitness. You know, Instagram handles, follow them. Yeah, um, all that. But yeah, no, we've been training partners since I don't even know 2016. I think is when me and Katie started over there. Maybe 2015. Who's Katie? Katie is my wife. There we go. Just yes. the official yes. shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Get that out of the way too. Make that legit. She's got uh, Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. At the last tournament, Grand Prix? Yeah. Grand Prix. Yes. Why can't I remember the name of stuff? Yep. You and her were cornering for two guys. Mm-hmm. Who were they? Um, George Bezerra. Mm-hmm. 
I think I said his last name right. Sorry, George, if I mess it up. Um, Probably used then, to it. Yeah, Gabriel Almeida. Yeah. Yep. Can I ask you a candid question? Sure. How qualified did you guys feel? Not at all. To be cornering those boys? <laughs> Not at all. That's my... You can ask Pam when you see her, but I was like, what am I going to tell this guy? Yeah. And I don't know nothing, yeah. but I remember seeing the post, you guys got your black belt and like, you know, nothing but respect yeah. or whatever, but then I'm watching those guys and I'm going, I feel like... Yeah. I feel like, you yeah. know, it, it was intense. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, like, going back to like, you're starting over. It's like, okay, you got a white belt and you got stripes and you got a blue belt and you got stripes and years and time on the mat and whatever, like black belt, like there's degrees and whatnot. But if you go to compete and a lot of people have like a competition belt and they don't put stripes or degrees or whatever. And so you're like, okay, is this guy six months of black belt or 10 years? Yeah. Like there's different, there's levels upon levels yep. upon levels at black belt, which is just crazy to think about. Right. Yeah, it's. I was listening to a podcast today, and the guest, it was like a round table on jujitsu, and the guest had been a black belt for 19 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, a long time. that's almost as long as anybody I personally know has been doing jujitsu. Yeah. And it prompted the thought I'm like, I mean, okay, they throw some stripes every three years or five years mm-hmm. on the black belt, but it should almost be like a color coded stripe. Like you're a white belt, black belt. Then you're a blue belt, black belt. <laughs> yeah. Especially now with so many people doing it. Like mm-hmm. there's going to be people who've been multiple people who've been doing it for 50 and 60 years in a while. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. a wizard. Yeah. It's, you know, they're a wizard yeah. belt. Yeah. Like, coral belt <laughs> is coral cool. Belt, but like, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you don't get that till what, like 50 years or 60 years yeah, or something. Yeah. It just seems like there should be, like you say, a clear insignia of like, mm-hmm. what am I actually dealing with? Yeah, here? exactly. Because you don't know. It's which you're just like, okay, we're both black belts. Let's see how this goes. Did you guys say anything? Um. <laughs> also, <good> job. <laughs> yeah, like way to go, buddy. Yeah. It also just seems like I mean, even even at your level, like you know your game. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. You're you're analyzing it as you're going. It seems like that. What do you even say? Yeah. Regardless of level, like you know what you're doing, man. You've been at this like 15 years. Yeah. It was wild, though. Those fights were wild. Yeah. We did go over a little bit of a wrestling thing in the back, though, I guess. Oh, sure. After going back to the mm-hmm. Grand Prix tournament, because there was control of the head with, to shoot and move his head and make him be misdirected by his head first and then to shoot. Yeah. So that was our mine and Pam's two cents. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was good. <laughs> Made a contribution. It was, yeah, it was good. Feeling good. Yep. So, yeah. uh, who's your favorite training partner or favorite role <sighs> or list of a few to take the pressure off? Maybe. Oh boy. Favorite. That's a good question. Some of it is where I'm at with my training. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is like MMA. Some of my favorite roles are with like Pam, CJ, Nate. Other people that throw punches will yeah. they roll. Yeah. Just because they roll similar and then like Pam's got the inversion and some of the flexibility stuff that I can't do. And I'm like, how did you get over there and do what you just did? Nate's got more of the explosive speed. Um, a little bit quicker. CJ's got more of the size and the wrestling. So I just I really like going with all those guys. Um CJ brings a lot of personality, it seems like he, he does, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, it's entertaining rolling with him. 
But like, I would, I would assume you find that if you roll with just high level jujitsu guy, in comparison to like the fighters you just mm-hmm. listed, they're giving you room that you wouldn't get with the real fighters, quote yeah. unquote. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then kind of what you were talking about about leave, not leaving any of that space and yep. kind of smashing. But then then like when I do that, I got to remember I'm in the jujitsu room. And they're giving me room for a reason, so I got to be careful. Are they giving me room to make me step here, or put my hand here, or pull my foot out from there? So, is and again, that's what I was saying. It depends, like where I'm at with my training. If I'm like, oh, I feel like doing a little bit more like MMA based grappling, those are kind of my go to guys. If I want like good hard, like gi rolls, JD Rob is, ugh. he's probably one of my toughest rolls. Rob Schmidt, he's so good. It's not even funny. Um, and then Jose Cano is another fun role, just off the top of my head that I mm-hmm, can think mm-hmm. of. But yeah. Yeah, just like I said, I like those are good, hard, competitive roles. But again, it just depends where I'm at with mentality wise as far as do I want to do no gi, MMA based, or gi. So, but those guys are definitely up in my top list as far as fun, hard rolls to do. Sure. I rolled recently with someone who I, is a seller guy, right? Dave Margrat? Uh, how was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Dave is the, the three things that I need. Like if I'm actually training jujitsu serious about it i want to get good at it for whatever reason Mm -hmm. dave represents the combination of three that i need in my life he's a big human being yep he's a strong human being very i know a lot of big guys that aren't particularly strong Mm -hmm. i know a lot of strong guys that aren't particularly big yep check the calves you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah. uh (laughs) and he's good yeah i know a lot of mixed combinations of two two and a half one and three quarters of those three things Mm -hmm. and guys that are enough of a combination of those two or three things to destroy me for the record you know what i mean (laughs) yeah it was like like a glimpse into like the the projected future this is what we're looking for yep and it was an absolute nightmare yeah he's (laughs) yeah and that's that yeah that's enough said it was a nightmare yeah and it was it was also great. Yeah, because like you said, it's stupid. Because it was also great. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> this was horribly great. But yeah, um, like you said, he's got those all those attributes, and to find all three in someone is it's hard yeah. to be big, strong, athletic, and really good. Is is rather unique. Uh, in another six or eight months, we'll try that again. Try it again once yeah. I've recovered. Step in. Come on now. From the yeah, I mean I'm down for that too, but that was what last Saturday, I'm six minutes and I'm not recovered yet, so we'll, <laughs> still sore. <laughs> we'll wait a few. I'm still out of breath. Frankly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll wait a few more months. Uh, I'm assuming this is almost a dumb baiting question. I'm assuming you can. This is a stupid question on on its face. I'm assuming you consider fitness an integral part part of fighting, duh, but jujitsu in particular. Uh, that's your business yes how do i get fit for bjj or for fighting come and see me (laughs) okay sales pitch boom no um 
Give me the I give like me the to, philosophy. So, and this is, I love kettlebells. Kettlebells are probably my favorite modality to train with, especially combat athletes. Um, when they're in season, even more so, or in a fight camp, um, eight six eight weeks out from a fight. I love kettlebells. I love flows. I love the creativity that I can have. Mm-hmm. When you say more so, you mean at the expense of other stuff? As yes. Cl- as opposed closer closer to... Closer to ditch and barbells. Like I like dumbbells. Dumbbells are okay, but they just it sits in your hand differently. Yeah. Um, they're designed to be lifted. Yeah. Like yeah. kettlebells, you can... I don't know. They're just great. They're yeah. so versatile with what yeah. you can do with them. But yeah, I don't do a huge amount of barbell work. Now, again, it depends on the individual, but let's say six weeks out from a camp or a competition date, let's say I kind of put the barbells on hold, but I focus on all the barbell stuff outside of camp so we can get bigger, stronger, all that good stuff with that you can do with barbells before we get to a camp, so to speak. And then when you get into camp, because you've built a bigger batter machine, now I got to get that bigger batter machine in better shape with the same mobility with the same coordination because you could put on let's say five six seven pounds of muscle but then you don't know how to use it because you're tighter and you're stiffer and you're more rigid and kettlebells i find i can increase that range of motion and yet maintain their strength because if you don't have a good grounded sense with your feet or what you're doing that kettlebell is going to throw you all over the place yeah, so, you, you deadlift five hundred pounds, but you try to windmill. Yeah, or do a five s- pound kettlebell and you tipped you're over. Tip over, or you can't do it. Yeah, because <laughs> you don't have the flexibility to do it. Like, oh my god! Are you um, a fighter or a power lifter? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's where I think there's a time and a place for everything mm-hmm. in fitness, for the most part, as long as it's thought out somewhat intelligently. Yeah. Um, but to kind of go with what you said, I would say kettlebells, and then just a lot of hit style of workouts um because if you look at like competitions or fighting 10 seconds there's like a little scuffle and a blur and then they come back and they reread and they try to figure out what was going on or you take a shot let's say it takes 15 seconds to throw two three punches shoot in on somebody get them down hold them down get them into a position 15 seconds goes by and then there's like a slow chess game methodical what's going to go on there's my opening and then another 10 15 second spurt so it's it's all like spurty so you have to have the base longevity conditioning or cardio so run or bike or whatever for 45 minutes Mm -hmm. you got to have that base for situations like that and to help build your interval style of training a fight is this long however we get there yeah like this yes it's like a heartbeat when you watch it, it goes boop, up and down, yep. up and down, up and down. That's basically how com- uh, combat sports is. Mm-hmm. Would you utilize those modalities like a kettlebell circuit type setup at the expense of like road work or or cardio? And I realize we're tapping into like periodization. Like it depends. Yeah. Yep. But is there a little bit more of a new school thought in training fighters? Or is it like, strap those shoes on, find some headphones, let's go? I would, 
That's a double ass. That's a tricky question. Let's go. Let's do it. So mics are on. I would say Mm -hmm. your first ten fights you need to be, and I'm talking fighting jujitsu. Do you need to necessarily run? Not really. I would say because I think it can help build the cardio and the lungs and whatever. But you're not bouncing on your legs. You're not on your feet. You're, I mean, obviously it starts on the feet, but mm-hmm. for jujitsu, I'd be like, push the sled. Yeah. Push the sled all day, back and forth, forward, backwards, sprint it, drag it. Just the nervous system and vestibular and whatever specificity. Yeah. Like, Cause it's, crawl it's around. More, yeah. Bear yeah, crawls, like right. all that kind of stuff. But as far as the road work goes with more striking or MMA based fighters, I'd say at least 10 fights, you need to be doing road work three, four times a week at least. Once you have the experience of what road work is, then it's up to you as far as how you get weight down your base cardio there, um, your foundation with your legs. Road work, jumping rope. First 10 fights is a must, in my opinion. After that, like, okay, you think you got it figured out, maybe you start to play with it. Like Individual my, variation after yeah. that, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, some would disagree with me. Like true old school thoughts, like nope, you got to run before every practice, thirty minutes. Like me, I would be, <laughs> I don't have the runner body. I don't mm-hmm. know if you can see that or not, but I just don't. Um, but I did road work up until I got seventeen, probably fifteen. Then my knees started giving me trouble with running. Yeah. Um, but I also did go from literal road work to trail work and that helped a lot um and everybody's got different issues and knees and hips and whatever Mm -hmm. and not everybody can go do the road work um if you can and you love it i'm a little jealous of it because i just don't i'll sprint all day but i don't like the road work stuff just for me um but yeah the the the, you know road work before every practice thing mm -hmm. sounds amazing Mm -hmm. it's old school sex appeal you know, I watched Rocky growing up like I everybody. Can, I get it. Know. But it also sort of ignores the fact that, like, some things aren't so great for some people. That's a lot of impact on am I structurally ready for that? Yeah. And it's not actually my sport. Like, can yeah. I develop cardio elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And with, especially with Thai boxing, it's very, like, you got to do it. Like, you go to Thailand, that's what they do. They run. Mm-hmm. 30, 45 minutes, and then they go do their workout, and then they take a break during the day because it's so hot, and they come back, and they do it again at night. Been doing it since four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Like, they're just geared for it, yeah. where I didn't really do road work till I was 19. I did football and sprints and whatever, but I was like, oh, I'm going to go for a 45-minute run. Like, yeah. no. So it just... You got to take a little bit after the 10 fights, in my opinion, like I said, you got to take a little bit more of a personalized approach. Like, can this body hold up with this? How are their knees? How are their hips? Is the road work deteriorating their body more? So then I got to try to fix it as far as a coach or a fitness. Or is it deteriorating and wrecking it and then they can't kick and pivot correctly because they're so jacked up with their legs? In my opinion, newer school thoughts, you got to take that stuff into consideration. Yeah. Um can I get cardio without affecting my ability yeah. to fight? Yeah. Period. Yep. And like I said, I'm jealous, envious, whatever of the people that can do it. And Super just, simple. Yeah. Go for a jog. Done. It's yeah. But I just like my last fight in February, I did 
I ran twice. And it was 25 minutes each. I did sprint work. Sure. But the road work where you just go for a run. 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 It was 25 minutes and I did it twice. I think that sentence, what you just described there, might be a fantastic sales pitch for somebody considering getting into fighting, but they just hate the idea of it. That's why I didn't wrestle in high school. I was like, I like lifting weights. Mm -hmm. You guys are like running three miles. Yeah. I was like, how long are wrestling matches? Well, like a three two-minute periods or whatever yeah. it was. And I was like, why are you running three miles? <laughs> I'm not an expert on this. But I haven't been to school yet there. for it. I'm like, <laughs> I get building a base, but like it's like the end of the season. You just ran for a three-mile run. Yeah. I dig that because it, it, it basically confirmation bias on part of my thought in training. Yeah, If you looked at the way I train powerlifters for meets mm-hmm. up through like year five, you would you would look at you know the progression of per- percentage relative percentage for the bulk of each individual program and be like really mm-hmm. this is not as heavy this is not ninety ninety five percent as much as I would have expected maybe not you but like yeah. somebody you know you think okay it's one rep max so I'm gonna lift heavy lift heavy lift heavy lift heavy do the meat yep I spend a lot of time basically in the early years which is what you're describing mm-hmm. the first ten fights building as broad a base on that pyramid as we can yep you know eights and tens on squats suck especially with like a reasonable relative intensity assigned you know uh but we're pushing the edges of that pyramid out and the wider the base is the higher the peak can go yep and it's such a long-term thinking i think that's hard for a lot of people like yeah to five six years in and i'm like hey you're almost an intermediate now yeah you know <laughs> like, and they're what? like well no i've been doing this for years <laughs> yeah Mm-mm. you don't know because at least in powerlifting i'm sure there's a, a corollary or an analogous thing in fighting you know getting too big and heavy very often is really hard on the body mm-hmm. you know i want a lot of tensile strength and 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 motor control patterns developed before we get to a lot of that yeah and people get big and strong and putting mm-hmm. hit PRs and bigger numbers still without banging away against heavy sets of one, two, and three. Because, again, we're, you've been doing this two or three years. Let's build the bottom of the pyramid still. Yeah. Same kind of idea. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Long-term. Yep. Injury-free, hopefully. And I think, like, my newer schools, I'm real big into, like, injury prevention or strength and length or dynamic flexibility whatever juicy phrase you want to mm-hmm. use but basically just what are we doing that day let's get that part warmed up let's get it warmed up turned on prepped use it and then let it recover yeah move Whereas, and move well yeah don't just move yeah move and move, move well, well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um because if you can have muscles that are longer and they move easier and move well, then you're also going to be stronger and have more leverage. And, you know, maybe you're able to do things now that you couldn't before because you have a healthier, more mobile range of motion in every joint or your body now. So it makes you for a better athlete. Period. Yes. (laughs) Uh, One of the uh, regular questions i ask in these is for uh, advice in jujitsu and i always ask this of the black belts mm-hmm. so i say however the framework is in your head and i might be putting you on the spot but 
give me advice if I'm a white belt. Mm-hmm. Give me advice if I'm a blue belt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody comes and says, oh, you're a black belt in jujitsu. I'm a white belt. What's the deal? What's your advice? For white belts? And blue and purple. Yeah. The whole deal. For white belts, I would say just get comfortable taking an ass whooping. It's okay because we've all done it. Because <laughs> I remember as a white belt, you'd go with somebody smaller, and I'm like, oh, I got that. And he would whoop my butt. And I'm like, what? How did he do that? Like, what the heck? And that's part of the process, I think. And I think that frustrates a lot of people. But you just got to kind of learn how to take your licks, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's like when you first start sparring mm-hmm. you're gonna get hit a lot mm-hmm. like just relax it's a part of the process uh, blue belts i would say you're not a coach yet <laughs> period full period. stop <laughs> why is that a universal advice that needs to be delivered i don't know um <laughs> it's like you get excited you got a blue belt and you're like and, I, and sh- I know a couple things uh, yeah. I know like, three or four things. I know how to shrimp and I know how mm-hmm. to do this and I kind of know where to put my arm. And <laughs> it's like, yes, you do, but stop. There's one instructor and he's right over there. Like, let him let him be the coach. Let him run the room. Yes. So. <laughs> don't you're not get, on the payroll. Yeah, you're not a coach. <laughs> Purple belts is a little trickier. Hold on. Are you going to leave it there? Are you going to leave blue belt there? Yeah, don't be a coach. Don't yeah. be that simple. Fantastic. Just I love it. Don't be a coach because because yeah. if you're so <laughs> well because because if you're so worried about like helping other someone else or and I've seen it and I've rolled mm-hmm. with it is like they'll almost try to like tell me something like oh I did that because I'm like all right like okay like you don't have to justify like our role like it was cool it was a fun role like it's yeah. fine. And whatever, but like, don't be a coach because if you start trying to coach and help someone else, you're you're ignoring yourself a little bit. So you're not allowing yourself to grow because your your eyes are trying to help other people. Like you're not a coach, and it's just you're not good enough to be a coach yet. <laughs> just to put it blunt, yeah. um, I like that. But it also shuts yeah, you yeah. in. It sh- it shuts your game growth yes. down a little bit. That's why kind of the blue belt beatdowns. You gotta put blue belts in their place because, and I think that might be why. Is yeah. they try to like do too much. Um, trying to do too much. Yeah, like to do too much for other. Like you just, yeah. yeah. One phrase: don't stop coaching. Um, purple belts, I would say, like keep showing up and do, put the time in, like, and do the hard work, because. Purple belts, like you're starting to get good, you're starting to develop a style, you're starting to develop a game, but it gets frustrating because you're kind of in this limbo middle child. Like I'm better than some in here, but I'm not nearly as close to these others. Where do I fit in kind of thing? You're starting to figure out your game, but then your game gets shut down by like your older brother, but then you go to your younger brothers and you're... So I'd just say stay consistent and show up but do the hard work to get to the brown 
And then when you get to the brown, I would say you're starting to get the games developed, but now it's time to start putting that thing through the sharpener. So instead of so much space or the grip is here, change the grip there or like really fine tuning. So like sharpening the knife, you've made it, you've got the handle, you got the blade. It's time to like sharpen that thing up. And then black belts, I guess myself. And or what, what, what are you working on? What do you aspire to with black belt? If you don't feel comfortable saying, here's what you should be doing as a black no, belt. No, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. tell a black yeah, yeah. belt what they should be doing. Because sure, sure. I just got mine like three months. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, not about to, I'm not about to be a blue belt black yeah. belt. Um, You're still wearing it to bed at this point. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, no, not anymore. Okay. Um, but I would say reset, stay humble, and it's okay to still get tapped out. That's what I tell myself. I'm not telling anybody else they can have their own thing. No. This is just what I tell myself. I got to reset, stay humble. It's okay to get tapped out because, like, you got a black belt, you got a little bit of a target with the guys who were just brown belts. Like, mm-hmm. three minutes ago, we were the same rank. Yeah, what's with a brown belt? Yeah, so now it's like, okay coming at you now you know what i'm saying <laughs> so and it's gonna happen like i've been tapped out from brown belts it's like whatever and then i'm like well what the, how did you get that what did you do and then they explain it and then i gotta stay humble enough to listen to what they actually told me instead of just like man man you got lucky and then walk away mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for me reset stay humble and it's okay to get tapped out feels like good advice for everybody too yeah. Yeah, that like one is. On kind of a day-to-day basis, just reset, stay humble. Yeah. It's okay to get tapped out. Keep like, going. Yeah. It's like, who cares? That's why we're in here. It's yep. like better here than in a competition or, heaven forbid, if ever were to happen on a self-defense yeah. situation. Sure. So, but those would be my little one-line phrases <laughs> sure, for, sure. for each belt. Opie disagrees with some of them. Hey, yeah. Hush, what about, uh, you got you got some, some BJJ-specific goals at, at Black Belt? I mean, I'm, this might actually end up a little repetitive with some of the other things, but uh, a little repetitive. I would just say start to learn other people's games. Yeah, and I keep bringing Rob up. Just I struggle with that style. Sure. This longer guard triangle deli he was sweet. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, stop! But my goal is to really understand that style and how to sure. defend it better. Um. That's my short-term goal. And then, so what, by short-term, I mean like two, three years to try to understand that because <laughs> right, that's a whole right. different game. That's like I'm starting out white belting and trying to get to purple or brown again. Um, but overall, I don't know if I have any desire to c- compete, not right now, mm-hmm. um, but just keep basically kind of from purple belt up, like still show up, work hard sharpen the knife as far yeah. as the new games and the new skills that I do sure. develop and acquire and it's like a root system just whew, it's not just this path anymore it's sure. like I gotta come back and go over here and then I gotta come back and play over here with this and leg locks ankles chokes collars sleeves it's just it's just, oh, it's an endless growth which is why I love jujitsu. yeah that's why it's interesting <laughs> it's, yeah that's why it's awesome sure you're never you're never done trying to get better. No. Yeah. Yeah. Closing thoughts? What else you got? Call anybody out? Call tell, anybody out. Tell some jokes. 
I'm not a joker. <laughs> I am a joker, but I'm very flatlined, yeah. sarcastically. Not joking. a formalized knock knock. Yeah, no knock knock sure. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, cool man. As far as the jujitsu route, it was a long journey and 12 years and starting over. So. It's it's amazing how universal that phrase is. I said that earlier, but like, yeah, the starting over ev- process. Yeah, everyone's yeah. like, yeah, and okay, I'm a black belt now, and now here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's weird because like Dave tied it on and George was there and you do your first role and you were like, I, I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, where do I grab? Like, do I grab their sleeve? It was weird. And maybe that's just me and whatever, sure, but sure. Every, other people might be like, this guy's crazy, whatever. <laughs> no, I don't that, know what that's about. what you, how you're describing it is closer to how multiple other people have described it for me. Yeah. So, so it's... Yeah, but shout out, I guess, I would if I had to get out anybody particular. I mean, obviously, all the instructors, mm-hmm. Dave George, I could, I could, the list could go on, but Mike Nimlos, actually. So when I first started, I was doing four years or so, just attending classes and whatever, and I was getting kind of frustrated, and I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll just do Muay Thai and kickboxing. I was talking to him one day, and he's like, well, why is that, buddy? Super helpful dude. And he started doing some, like, privates. Like, we'd hold pads, and then we'd go and do some just, like, drills and whatever. And sure. he actually kind of relit, if that's even possible, four years in. But, like, no, I think you should stick with this. Like... Either way, he was a catalyst. Yeah, he, because I don't think if he would have been there, I probably would be just Muay Thai kickboxer, maybe MMA, maybe. Probably just more of a straight up nogi guy. But he kept me hungry to like learn and expand gi jiu jitsu. Sure. So I would say him for sure. But you could also hypothetically say, well, if that dropped away. Maybe something else would have dropped away. True. I mean, you know, that cascading effect, so who knows? Yeah. Could have been very, a more important catalyst than, than, than you, you might realize. think. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's the other thing I always get. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole now. Yes, like, please. Let's do it. Do you ever wish you would have wrestled? And I'm like, yeah. Sure. Why not with what I do now? But let's say you wrestle, you go D, D3, D2, D whatever, would you go and you go do college wrestling and you completely shred your knee and now I'm not into fitness and like fighting anymore or yeah, jujitsu. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just blew my knee out and whatever, or I jacked up my neck or so it's like, I think part of the, the, the path, like everybody can always say is I wish I should have, could have, would have. I'm like, do you though? Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to chase a hypothetical, let's chase yeah. some hypotheticals. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. do you? Cause like I'm here coaching at the cellar, having my own gym, married, three kids, yada, yada, yada. Be living the dream. Living the American dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> living because the dream. of, like you were going to say, the path. That because of the path I t- yeah. took or and didn't take. Bingo. So, yeah. And even like welding, like I was a welder. That's Forge Fitness. I don't know if you can kind of see it. It's actually an anvil. Yep. So metalwork, mm-hmm. metallurgy, welding. I didn't know that. I assumed from the hands and wrists and forearms. Yeah. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I liked molding and creating things. It was like, okay, that trailer didn't exist like three weeks ago and I built it. It's awesome. But it wheels off and it's got, that's it. It's done. Whereas 
forging people, humans. Like, okay, I made that dude lose weight. I made that girl get more self-confidence. I made these people feel better about themselves, and they'll carry that, hopefully, forever. So I like molding and shaping and forging people versus product, which I think I went from welding to fitness and coaching. because, And I knew I was always going to be a better coach than fighter because of that reason. So, But that's where Forged kind of came into. That's why the name and the principle behind it. So, Awesome story. I like that. That's a great explanation. Cool branding and all that. Thank you. One last note, and then yeah. we'll cut it. Yeah. Send Nimlos a message. Tell him you want to hear him on this podcast. Deal. Done. I will send it to him. I'll send it to him as I leave. He'll send an eye roll emoji, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put up to this. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.